All right, Jay, today we're talking about chapter 20, choose your company wisely. And specifically in this chapter, we're talking about former Albany CrossFit member, Laura Mirkovic, and we're going to build up to her story and how you met her and, and her progression, you know, at the gym. But first we dive right into this chapter with a story about crabs, the crab story. And it, for those who have not read the book yet, no spoilers, there's just a, it's, it's referencing the crab mentality which is you know a, a, a metaphor for if i can't have it neither can you um which depicts crabs being in a bucket one crab tries to escape another crab pulls it down so really that's what we're going to be diving into here kind of that group mentality and how others can hold you back uh, jay do you have any specific references or or memories of when this has happened to you specifically not to laura where you were part of that crab mentality and others were kind of holding you back? Oh, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I can't think of anything off the top of my head where I felt like other people were holding me back. Actually, I do have a really good re reference of that. So in, after my freshman year of high school, I don't think I've ever told this story, nor do I really think about it a lot. It's funny, it pops into my oh, head. This is, this is breaking right here. Um, breaking news. <laughs> on, in hour 32, they... You know, yeah. Something. So it took it, 32 after, hours to break through the shell. I've finally done it. We've done it. On, after freshman year of high school, every year we would typically go to this wrestling camp. And it would, it would change where we went. But, but every year, you know, for one to even four weeks... The entire team, or, or the majority of the team, you know, the coach would organize and we would all go somewhere. You'd spend the, you know, the the time there, you know, sleep away. So this one was at in East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, a highly recognized uh, wrestling school, and they bring in the best of the best. So you know, at the time, former Olympic wrestlers, college coaches, college wrestlers. It's really like a, it's a hard month of training for for us for the athletes. So we get there and. You really had two options. You had this option of kind of taking the normal path, which is, you know, basically you show up to practice, but you get a lot of downtime and, you know, you, you have time with your friends and it's more like a camp. And then there was this, I forget what they called it, but it was basically like the intense route, which was, you know, you had to wake up every morning and train as far as workout. There were multiple sessions. There was an evening training session and the whole team, when we got there, we signed up for it. And then, after one day, the majority of the team quit. They wanted to quit. And they were like, hey, we're all quitting. And I remember them coming up to me and my buddy Dave, David Brett. Uh, we were, you know, high school buddies. He was on the wrestling team. And we were like, no, we want to do it. And they were like trying to come up with, you know, reasons we shouldn't do it. And, you know, no, we're all quitting. Like, we're a team and blah, blah, blah. And we were like, no, we want to do it. And we did it. We stuck it out. We got the medal at the end, you know, the T-shirt, whatever was, you know, along with it. But, yeah. You know, until until now, I hadn't really thought about it. And it was, you know, really just my stubbornness. Like, I'd signed up for something, and that's how I am. When I sign up for something and commit to it, it's, it's happening. It's a, it's a strange phenomenon that, you know, someone wants to quit, but they don't want to quit alone. And that they're trying to convince you of all the reasons that you should quit. And it's almost like they're trying to validate why they're quitting, too. It's just it makes them feel about. better. It makes yeah. them feel better about them. It's like, I quit, but so did everybody. So it's okay. Yeah. Or, you know, I didn't push in this workout. So it's, it's okay if other people didn't push or just any kind of excuse to, 
to, to validate it. Yeah, I think it's a nice combination of like this mob mentality, but also um, this idea of comparing yourself to others. And it makes you feel better about yourself. Yeah. Now, at this wrestling camp, uh, you said that there were you know, Olympians there. Are there any famous wrestlers that were there? You know, like when I think of famous wrestlers, the, the only people that I know of are like, you know, I know like I know Kurt Angle because he was an Olympic wrestler um, as well as in the WWE. And then I know the whole story about like the Foxtrot, you know, because they had the Foxcatcher uh, movie. But it's so real. I don't know a whole lot of wrestlers, but were there any prominent wrestlers there? There were prominent wrestlers, to be honest. I can't remember who they were. So this was probably like 1992. It would have been before Kurt Angle. He won his gold medal in 1996. You know, he would have been training hard, but I don't believe he, although he was from Pennsylvania. So, you know, who knows? Maybe he was actually there and I didn't realize it. The only person I remember was a guy named Kenny Monday, who I believe won the gold medal for the United States in 88. Uh, but then other than that, it was just a lot of, you know, local coaches, you know, all of our high school coaches were there, um, probably some good collegiate wrestlers at the time, but no one that I remember that would be worth, you know, not that it wouldn't be worth it, but not, not that anyone would recognize. Yeah, well, that, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool when, you know, like you get a bunch of coaches together, a bunch of athletes, and it happens now with CrossFit. You know, back in the day, it almost seemed like every CrossFit gym was like an island, so to say. And now you have like, you know, you hear about, you know, Rich Froning out in Cookville at his gym, getting all these athletes to come in for a camp and they all just train and work out together. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really what it was. And, you know, it, you don't realize it as a youngster, as a young kid, what, what's actually happening, but, you know, and, and going back about the whole crab mentality, that was something I was super proud of for years. I remember I had a t-shirt that, you know, you only got if you finished the, the course in the, in the that you know upper level curriculum and i wish that's probably one of the few things i wish i still had and it yeah. really changed my career as a wrestler it made me so much better maybe we need like a, a t-shirt for those who stick it out through this audiobook all 40 to 50 hours like i did it i listened to, to all i made it 70 hours you know of jay and james just talking about stuff You'll get a, yeah, free t-shirt. People do a lot for a free t-shirt. That, that's right. So let's go back to Laura. Uh, Laura, for those who may not know, uh, I think we mentioned it before, is Sasha's wife. And Sasha Correct. was your business mentor. Uh, who joined the gym first? Was it Sasha or Laura? Sasha did. Sasha joined, you know, like we spoke about the core club and I was his trainer. And then once I opened up um, Albany CrossFit, Laura joined shortly after. What really happened was I had a mom's class. So I was doing homeschooling program before I opened up the gym. I would, I would coach the kids that were homeschooled. You know, I was their PE teacher, if you will. And those moms started working out with me. And then when I opened up CrossFit, I, I started a class specifically for them. It was 9 a.m. And Laura through Sasha found out about it and she started bringing in people as well. And, you know, so that 9am class of women was a lot of fun. Um, you know, they were the homeschool moms and then slowly other people joined and eventually we just opened it up to the you know general public. We, you know, Murph was a part of it and, and Jean helped me coach it. So there were, it, it slowly evolved, but at first it was this group of like four or five women that just every, every day at 9am would show up to work out. And you, you mentioned in the, in, in the text that, you know, everyone's there to work out, 
But of course, for these moms, this was like an escape, you know, like, like the kids are being watched over by, by someone who they all hired to watch the kids. They're in the core club and they could just have some time to relax for themselves and socialize. So there was a lot of socializing going on. Uh, but like you say in the text, the fitness was happening accidentally because they're just in the gym. It was a byproduct of just being there. Yeah, it really goes back to that notion of best hour of their day. It was, you know, their time away from their family. And I don't think exercise would have been at the top of their list of like, hey, what would we like to do if we had free time for an hour? It wouldn't be, you know, thrusters and burpees. But because, you know, they were all hanging out together because there was this good energy, because there were these endorphins, you know, they accidentally got a little bit fit along the way. Yeah, and, and you're building the community. You know, I'm sure you're joking around with everybody. They're, they're coming in three times a week, so they have it on their calendar, and they're looking forward to going in for that meeting where they can check in with one another, joke around, joke around with you, and then also do a tough workout. Yeah, you know, and, and, and slowly they started to get it. They started to like it. And, you know, like we talked about in the chapter, Laura kind of became the standout. But, but let me also say, all of them were getting fitter. All of them, many of them got pull-ups. I remember, you know, just seeing their times go down on their rows. I remember seeing their mechanics improve. I remember seeing just their care of fitness improving. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was a really, that was a, that was a fun class for me to be a part of. Yeah. So they're all getting better. They're all getting pull-ups. But one thing you mentioned in the text is that Laura was typically the first one to break through you know, those barriers. She's getting pull-ups first. She's RXing Fran first. She's deadlifting 300 first. And CrossFit slowly started to become more important for her, you know, outside of the social element. And then that was something that you had to deal with specifically. How do you get her to the next level without maybe the pace of the group or the socializing in the group holding her back? Yeah. And this was really one of the first times that I remember thinking, hey, not everyone wants to be the fittest person. Not everyone simply just loves CrossFit and wants to become, you know, the best version of themselves from a fitness level. And that was, you know, really eye-opening to me, understanding, because it was frustrating at first. Like, guys, stop talking. You know, like, we're, we're working out. And slowly coming to that realization of like, hey, this is just their time away from their kids. But- yeah then realizing, okay, like that crab mentality, like I can't let them pull Laura back into the bucket. I need to somehow continue to make this fun and enjoyable for everybody, you know, or else they're going to leave, but allow Laura to shine. Were, were there times where Laura did get pulled back into the bucket? Because I mean, we, she starts to get a little more serious about CrossFit and then you eventually move her around to the 5 a.m. class where there's just a different breed of athlete coming into that. Like how long did that transition take? And did she ever have any setbacks on, you know, the other crabs, so to say, pulling her back into the bucket? Um, I can't think of like specific moments, but you know, these, these women were friends and it, it you know, it'd be one of those scenarios where you, you, we've all seen it before. Like, Hey, three, two, one, go. And the more serious person's like head down, focus, like, don't talk to me. And the rest of the class is like talking through like a filthy fifties, if you will, where it's, a, it's not like a short burner, but it's like, you know, it, it takes this idea of like, Hey, the filthy fifties is becoming like a 40 minute long cardio session where we joke, we talk, 
So there were those times, you know, and, okay. you know, and I can see the frustration in Laura's, you know, just demeanor, but, you know, face and, and eventually, you know, talking to her, realizing, you know, she's keeping track, she's wanting to improve. And, and, you know, she had a fitness background in, in, in life and college. She was a fit into, you know, she had had three kids, but her body's bouncing back. She's looking great. And she can see that my performance is going up. I want to get more out of it. You know, we, no different than anyone. Like, oh, wow, I got a pull-up, now I want 10. You know, I got 10 pull-ups, now I want a muscle-up. You know, she was going there. Well, what do you think it is that, you know, the, the others are seeing Laura obviously make this kind of progress. What do you think was stopping the rest of the group from, you know, wanting to be a little bit more like Laura? Like the other crabs trying to get out of the bucket as well. Well, you know, and for the record, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Like they were still, it wasn't like, hey, Laura, don't go to the gym today, right? It was, hey, Laura, and it wasn't even a spoken thing. But, you know, it was more just like they were there having fun. But at the same time, you know, we talked about it recently. It's like they were still off the couch and they were still doing CrossFit. You know, it's not like they were off the couch and going to, you know, just a 30-minute walk. Not that that's bad, but, you know, they were still in there working hard. They just weren't as focused. So I don't think it was, you know, it was never said, slow down, Laura, but it was implied. And it was kind of like, what's going on over there? Like, you're not talking to us during the workout. So uh, actions, not the words were were being noted. Yeah. So Laura eventually makes a change and she goes to the 5 a.m. class, which, you know, 5 a.m. class, everyone's getting up at 4 a.m. to get there. Yeah. (laughs) For the record, the 545 with Brett, you know, morning mayhem. So she's in there with a, a bunch of athletes who have a different mindset. Everyone's, you know, got to get to work. They, you know, everyone's, you know, running on maybe a little less sleep. They're just putting their head down and working. And eventually Laura gets to the top 20 in the Northeast sectionals that was held right in Albany. 17th place. I still remember. So that, that's, that, a, that's a big deal. Well, yeah. And you, you know, you have to understand she go, you know, th- that wasn't an easy decision for her. You know, she had to decide to leave her friends and I don't think it was, you know, that challenging because it was, you know, hey, I'm going to go to the morning class. My life is busy. Maybe the kid's schedule has changed. This this still works for me. But but it was a little shocking for her. I mean, she went from being coached primarily by me and Jean to Brett. You know, we've talked about, you know, Brett's nuances, if you will, and personality, which is very different than mine and Jean's. And, you know, she's got a new family there, the Morning Mayhem crew, and, you know, less less chit chat, a lot of, Hey, let's improve your mechanics. Let's get this consistency. Let's ratchet up that intensity. And I remember talking her through it and it took some time, but man, when she got in there, she loved it. And that was really to, you know, Brett's credit and that morning mayhem cruise credit where, where she's just skyrocketed to the point, like you said, 17th place, which, you know, imagine this day and age coming in 17th place of regionals. Like those are the fittest human beings on the planet. Laura's right there with them. Now, uh, was there any kind of communication between you and Brett? Like, hey, Brett, I've got this, you know, I got Laura's coming to the 5.45 a.m. class. I think she's got a lot of potential. She's making great progress. You know, let's try to take her here or there. Or did she just kind of just show up? No, I'm sure there was some communication. You know, always with Brett, communication was strained and, and minimal, but I'm sure it was an email thread, you know, of, of, Hey, you know, my, my buddy, Laura, you know, who's been coming in, I'm sure I I filled him in on the background and I'm sure Brett gave me a one word answer. 
you know, and, and that was good. it, but good. Yeah. Okay. But no, 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 I think it was a pretty seamless transition and, you know, she probably finished the, the, the 9am, I would call it the mom's class on Friday and started morning mayhem that, you know, Monday. Just, just as quick as that. So, um, this kind of reminds me of something that we used to talk about in, I think the Sasha meetings where, uh, I, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, if it's not Sasha media or the meeting, but it's, uh, uh, you are the sum of the top five people that you, you spend time with. Where'd that Absolutely. come from? Is that Sasha? Well, I mean, like, like we talked about the other day with the Buddhist quote, I think, it, you know, we probably heard a lot of these from Sasha in our weekly meetings, or, but I'm not, I don't know who to credit that quote to, but it's, I think it's a pretty uh, old adage, you know, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And yeah, similar to the crabs, right? And, you know, I'm sure those read the, that read the book know what we're talking about that, but that crab analogy is basically, if you place crabs in a bucket, one will slowly try to creep out but then the other crabs will pull them back in. And that's kind of what was happening with Laura. But yeah, same deal. You know, you, you are the people you surround yourself with. And if that's motivated people, most likely you're going to step up. And if it's demotivated people, most likely you're going to you know step down. So again, not to, not to talk badly. The, the, the women that came to that mom's class were, were great. A handful of them still come to Albany CrossFit, right? Anne Marie is still there. Yep, Amory's still there, and Amory's two daughters, and sometimes her son come in. So right, so I mean family. that, you know, and there were other people in that class. That was the class that Susie from way back when in the book used to come to. Um, Lenora, who's still at the gym, would come to it sometimes. You know, so it, it wasn't a closed class, but at nine a.m. back then in the CrossFit space, it wasn't a very crowded class either. But then as we started to grow, we you know we opened it to everybody. And that's when, you know, Gene eventually really took over that class, you know, who, who became one of my, he was probably what my third or fourth coach. But um, yeah, I mean, that, that statement rings a little true in this scenario here. Now, this is um, relative, for most part, a positive story. You know, like there's the, the other ladies in the 9 name class weren't trying to hold Laura back. You know, everyone's just having fun. And then Laura made a decision to go for a change in her lifestyle. Uh, are there any other instances at the gym, whether it be Albany CrossFit, Clifton Park, Soulshine, you've owned a couple affiliates where this was maybe uh, on, the, on the other hand, it was, a, it was a worse situation where you had to tell people, hey, you should stop hanging out with these guys or that they're rubbing off the wrong way on you uh, or any, anything like that. I don't remember ever having to have that conversation as far as like leave your friends behind because I, I think it's very hard to go to CrossFit regularly and have that mentality. But I do remember a few times where you just see that person. It's kind of like, um, I, would, it's, I would imagine it's kind of like watching a college basketball team where you're like, they're doing well, but you know there's a standout. Like uh -huh. back in the day, UNC, Michael Jordan was on the team and I'm sure he was the one that was talked about the most. You know, you, you see that. Or, or to go back to your wrestling analogy earlier, it's like you would see like a faction, you know, the NWO. You would see evolution. And you'd be like, that guy's going to be the standout of this faction. And that was kind of what was going on here. You can see those, those clicks and you knew, okay, one of them is putting in a little more time. When everybody else leaves, they come back in. Or they're the ones you know, at home doing the mobility work or the ones doing squat therapy like we spoke about. So 
you know, I think you can sometimes kind of catch a glimpse of those people. Cause that, that reminds me of, um, you know, cool runnings, bobsled yes. movie where, yes. he, where he's like the, the, the team captain is the one who's at home studying the track and everything while the rest of the team is out partying at the bars. Yeah. And that's not, you right. That's not taken away from the team. They're still showing up to practice every day. Yeah. They're just not taking it as seriously. And, and you see it in all, you know, whether it's CrossFit, I see the jujitsu, like those that are like, Oh, can we work on this move for an extra 15 minutes? You know, those are the people that, you know, eventually, you know, take it to the next level. And you're all, mm-hmm. and also it's always like, where did that come from? Like one or two people see it like happening as the coach, but then their friends are like, where did that, like, how did Laura get so good all of a sudden? It's like, well, turns out she's been for the last three months, been putting in an extra hour every day. Yeah. And, and meal prepping and stretching in the evening, you know, all the things that you maybe don't see that she's doing in the, in the class. Well, and that was a great point. You just brought up like Laura, you know, I remember having many conversations with her and to this day still do about nutrition, you know, and that's, as we've talked about 80 to 90% of your progress. So, you know, if the other moms, if everything's equal, but Laura's eating better, she's going to take it to the next level a lot faster. Definitely. What's, what's an exercise do you think that someone can do to kind of figure out, you know, if they're the crab that's being pulled back into the bucket or if they're a crab that's pulling others back into the bucket? Because well, I, I assume you could probably be both. Oh yeah. I think you could, I think you can be both at the same time, probably too. Like you can be elevating people in one aspect and bringing them down in another. I know we've talked about, you know, how you do one thing, but, but you you may not even realize it. I would say, I, I like your, your analogy of, I would, I would challenge everyone to really think about who they spend the most time with every day. You know, think about who those five people are and, and think to themselves, you know, look at those five people. So, you know, for me, very quickly off the top of my head, I spent a lot of time with you. I spent a lot of time with Roz. I spent a lot of time with Dave from Thunderbro. You know, I spent a lot of time with Nate, our media guy. You know, and if I had to think of one other person, it would probably be like my professor at jujitsu. All of those people elevate me in one way or the other. Like you. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. You know, you, you, you're making me work hard on this book. You make me get up early to record these, you know, Roz you know, countless challenges, making me a better human being, you know, Dave challenging me, not only in the gym with our training, but, you know, to be the best, you know, part owner of a business I can be, you know, Nate, our media guy challenging me to be a better leader because, you know, constantly having to discuss, you know, plans and making sure they're being followed through with. And then my professor from jujitsu, you know, making me the best I can be on the mat. So luckily I don't have someone that I feel is bringing me down. But, and again, that was just off the top of my head, but maybe, maybe you do, or maybe you need to reevaluate and, or maybe you realize I have no control over that. Like I don't go to an office every day where I'm spending time with, you know, Susie at the water cooler. I, I, I like how you listed off each person and then you wrote, or you, you discussed, you know, what are some characteristics or things that they do that make you better? Uh, like I, so I wonder if maybe someone could make like a pros and cons list, you know, five people, what, what's one thing that they do that makes you better? What's maybe one thing that about them that you admire? Uh, One thing about them, you know, in in your life that you're grateful for. And then maybe one thing about your relationship that you can improve as well, because maybe that's something that's, that's lacking. 
I, I love it. You know, I, I think that's great. And I think, you know, it is important to wake because I named five people, but I'm sure, you know, I can find things that I, you know, that I don't love, but also determining is that me, is that them, you know, and, and just because they're doing something you don't like, does that, so for example, you know, Dave Lipson, Thunderbro, rarely runs on time, always a few minutes late, oftentimes very late. That makes me actually think about it and become more punctual, right? So you can take some things that are maybe a con about somebody, but actually see if that changes you and makes you a better person, right? Yeah, because on the flip side, you could be like, well, I already know Dave's going to be late, so I won't make it a point to be there on time either. And then that starts to trickle into how you do other things because how you do one thing is how you do everything. Oh, yeah, big time. That would don't... When I first moved out here, it was like, he's always late, I'll be late. And then it's like becomes this epic spiral versus like, hey, this is the time we said, I'm going to be there. I'm going to crank away on some work. When he shows up, we're good to go. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you know, you also have to take from this. There are people you can't change, right? Maybe it's your spouse. You know, you can change that, but maybe it's your boss. You know, and unless you're willing to quit that job, you can't necessarily make that change. But, you know, finding those pieces of them that, that you don't like and see if that can actually make you a better person. Yeah. As opposed, I mean, like, so we don't want people to take this as in uh, you have your five people, one of them's not working out and then you, and then you, you let that person go. Like you're fired. You're yeah. out of my, you're out of my circle. Um, like see what you can do to improve upon it with your own situation. Cause you're not trying to change them. You know, maybe one of those person is a sibling and you can't change them, but you can grow upon it. And, and that's one thing I've really learned over the years, and especially, you know, with writing this book and, and thinking back on it in our conversations is, you know, you, you have to be able to take from, from everyone their best and, and figure out what they do to elevate you. And a lot of times that's seeing what you don't like. And, you know, people say this all the time. It's like, if I don't like that in you, it's probably because I see it in myself. And, you know, we've talked about it. One of my biggest flaws, especially in, in box ownership was my punctuality. So I think I'm so keen and so aware of it with other people, but at the same time, that's making me be, be better myself. Exactly. Well, Jay, do you have any other thoughts in general on crab mentality or this type of situation? No, but I think for a box owner, it's important to be aware of it. I think, you know, uh, one thing I see sometimes at boxes is, this idea of making it the best hour of their day, but that doesn't mean the same thing for everyone in class, right? For some people, it's really just, I'm away from my kids for this hour. I want to let loose. I want to have fun. I don't necessarily want to go crazy with the weight. I don't want to feel like I'm going to die mid-workout. But then for others, it's like, I, I need that. I need to go as hard as I possibly can. So how do you figure that out? And then part of that is, getting to know your members, right? We've talked about that Ford mentality of family, occupation, recreation, dreams. And that means you should know that about each member because as I got to know Laura, A, I got to know her family, right? Sasha, Oscar, Stella, uh, Costa, her, you know, her kids. You know, I got to know her occupation, running the um, financial services business that her and Sasha founded. Uh, recreation was CrossFit, but also, you know, she enjoyed other things as well in life, but then her dreams, which were to be where she was when she was younger, to be that fit. So without knowing that, I wouldn't have realized she needed that push. 
So you, you have to really get to know your members and that's checking in on them. And that's spending 15 minutes before class, 15 minutes after class, you know, getting to know your, your members become your, your community, become your family. And it's, it's finding that balance. Just got to find the balance and then hopefully it'll all work out. Do, do you think in this day and age, there are still people that show up to CrossFit that don't necessarily want to be the fittest, but just it's their escape? Oh yeah. You see, you see it all the time. You know, people just want to come in, they want to make friends or, you know, you get the people who come, who are coming in and they just want to find a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And when they do that, you, you don't see them again. We get that every now and then. So it's like, yeah, mission accomplished. Are you happy in life? And that's what they were looking at to make them happy. And then you all see people who are a little more focused. They're like, okay, you know, I want to make sure I'm getting all this information at the whiteboard versus maybe someone else at the whiteboard is trying to use that time to, to visit with others, you know, and they were five minutes late to begin with, and they're trying to catch up and visit with others. And then there's other people who are like, well, I can't hear now because I'm, I'm trying to get this information at the whiteboard brief. So you get all these mix of people and you just have to make sure you cater to all their needs at the same time, which is part, of, I guess, the, uh, the art of coaching. Crossover. It really, it really is. And I think you kind of actually touched upon something important in that the whiteboard brief is really where that challenge lies because for some people you're right. They come in and it's like freedom. Like I'm, I'm here, I'm out of work, no kids, family. Like I can talk to my buddies and then other people like, wait, what are you saying? You know, what's the stimulus? What weight should I be doing? So finding that balance at the whiteboard and that might be, you know, giving a 30 second to a minute opportunity for people to just let loose and be like, all right guys, bring it in, you know, but yeah, how do you get, an ice how do you breaker. get, right, that's could be the question of the day, which, you know, we have 50 questions of the day that, you know, you can use the download, I'll attach it in the notes, but it could also be, you know, Hey Kate, I need you to focus for a minute, right? Like you have to find that balance of, cause there were plenty of times at the whiteboard that I was like, listen, and yelling at people, you know, and not realizing, hey, this is just them chilling out for a moment. Embrace that. And sometimes it's worth letting your whiteboard brief go from four minutes to seven minutes because they need that. Especially, you know, the 3.30 class maybe where it's like they just zipped out of work and they're here. You know, they didn't even have a time to decompress other than the drive over. You know, versus that morning class where it's like, I got to get you in and out. There's no buffer for being late because you guys got to go to work. Yeah. And it's uh, the, the more I do it, the more I realize it's like uh, I'll coach the kids class and the kids are so much better at the board than the adults. Well, they're, you know, they're it's just like the reverse. It's like the reverse. All right, so, Jay. Yeah. And, and any other thoughts? No, I think that's important. I think, you know, if you're a boxer or you're a coach, just remember that when you're at the whiteboard and if you, I'm a big proponent of the whiteboard brief. I mean, I think it's one of the most important aspects of class. It really sets the tone. And if you, want me to check out your whiteboard brief, post it online, tag me, hashtag it best hour of their day. I'm happy to take a look at it and see what you've gotten. But, you know, I've really, I've really learned over the years how important those five minutes are for setting the tone to, for class. And, and, you know, that's where we've talked about, you got five crabs in there. How do you hit all of them? Yeah. And, and I want one thing you're making me think of now is, you know, when I'm doing it, uh, it's almost like in the same day, no whiteboard brief is the same. Like if I have to do three different classes, it's probably three different whiteboard briefs based on who I have in class and their mood and how they're all interacting with one another. You know, maybe we go deeper into the stimulus on one and then it's okay, let's get moving on the other one because you're 
definitely not into this right now. Or, you know, it just changes from class to class based on who's in it. Yeah, it's like jazz. It's like improv, right? You got to yeah. kind of, you got to feel out the audience, feel out the crowd and, and go from there. It's kind of like in jazz, it's like, hey, the song is the same. We're going to hit a lot of these same notes, right? That's kind of the workout. Like we're going to talk about the stimulus, but how we get to those notes and, and how we get to the next piece changes every time. And that's, that's like you said, the art of coaching. People want these easy answers. How to become a best, the best coach out there. You know, it's, it's a journey. It's something we're still working on to this day. Yeah, it takes a lot of trial and error and time. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Jay. Uh, people can, I guess, do their evaluations on their five closest people and maybe send it to you privately. Don't post it anywhere. <laughs> yeah, especially if it's people you don't like. But I'm, I'm, I would love to hear from everybody, as always, for any of these challenges. I know we typically put it out there, but feel free to DM me. You can always DM James. You can email me, whatever, whatever you want. If you're listening to this book and you're invested in it, I'll be invested in you. So thank you, guys. Thanks again for listening to that special episode of Best Hour of Their Day. If you enjoyed, go ahead and download the book. You can check out the audio book. You can check out the paperback or even the ebook. We placed the link right in the show description. So once again, thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day.